You're listening to a podcast from Catalyst Vineyard Church, Aberdeen. You can find out more about our church, as well as more talks on our website, catalyst.vin. to be here with you on Catalyst Live this morning. Um, it's a bit like SMTV Live, but just slightly less Ant and Deck. There's a wee 90s reference for any of you who grew up then. Um, this morning, I have the privilege of um, opening God's Word for us today. And we have been going through this series in the book of John for the last little while called Last Words. We're focusing in on what were the last words that Jesus said. We're like, we know that if you're about to go and you're about to go back and be with the Father, that the last words that you leave are probably some of the most important you'll ever speak. And so we want to look at what were the last words that Jesus spoke? What were the series of things that he said to his followers to ensure that the church continued on and grew and exploded after he'd gone back to be with the Father? And so that's what we're going to do today. We're unpacking John chapter 13, verse 1 to 17. And John chapter 13 is a wee bit of a gear change up until this point in the Gospel of John. Everything's been very public and out in the open. There's been lots of public preaching, public miracles. There's been people being healed. There's been miracles of provision. And so there's been lots of things happening in front of big crowds of people. But chapter 13 sees a bit of a gear change where it narrows down now and he heads into some smaller rooms, smaller settings with just his disciples and a few other key people. And so we're recognizing like what he says in these rooms is really important for us as followers of Jesus to understand what are we being called to do and what are we being asked to do by Jesus. And so we're going to do that today. We're going to unpack John chapter 13, verse 1 to 17. And we'll start at the beginning. And Father, we pray as we open your word today, would you just um, open our ears, our eyes, our hearts to see and hear and know everything that you're doing in this passage today. We want to be people who are shaped and changed by the truth of your word. And so we come ready to receive this morning. Amen. So John chapter 13, we'll start at verse 1. It was just before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part of me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only wash their feet. Their whole body is clean and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he'd finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. 
Amen. Um, I am a parent of two young children, and I often find myself returning to the phrase in my head, do what I do, do what I say and not what I do. There's many moments where I'll say to my kids, no, you can't have chocolate just now, and then I'll sneak off to the snack cupboard when they're distracted and have a cookie. There's many moments where I'm like, don't behave childish, childishly, and then I equally behave as childishly as they would. And so I have this thing where I'm like, please do as I say and not as I do. And today, I think in this passage, what we see Jesus doing is saying some things and doing some things and both of them are equally important so we want to just press in today and what does Jesus say what does Jesus do and how do we make sure that we are doing both of those things together and so the first thing that really comes up in this passage from Jesus is that there's an invitation to intimacy this moment demonstrates something incredibly wonderful about Jesus. If you've ever been at a Christmas service before, you'll have heard the word Emmanuel, and that translates to God with us. Jesus was God with us, his son sent to be with us in a really personal, close way. It took away all the distance, it took away any barrier between us, and suddenly Jesus was right here on earth with us, God with us. He was promised to the world as Emmanuel, and that is exactly what he became. And in this moment, we find Jesus in his almost most Emmanuel moment with the disciples. He is on the ground in front of them, washing their feet. It's an incredibly intimate moment. Very close, very personal, and deeply caring from a saviour who loves those who are following him. He goes around them one by one, washing their feet and drying them. I don't know about you, I've never had my feet washed by another person before, and I, and I pray that that continues. I hope that that's something that maybe never happens to me, because I think I would just find that so awkward. But this moment is one of such closeness between Jesus and his disciples. <clears throat> when I was in secondary school, I was one of those people who could never decide what I wanted to be when I was older. You know, some of you will be sitting here and you'll be like, I'm a teacher, and I always knew I was going to be a teacher. I was teaching my dollies when I was three years old, or I was teaching my action men when I was three years old like this was always what I was meant to be some of you were always certain about what you were going to do but for me it was a long and winding journey that took many turns at one point I was going to be an RAF pilot at another point I was going to be a fireman at another point I was going to be a computer games designer um, and around about third year in school I settled on the fact that I was going to be a sports journalist and I thought I'd really cracked it at that point I was like sports journalist what better job is there in the world people are going to pay me to go and watch football that's where I'd got to I was like this is the best thing ever and our uh, school ran this course on sports journalism um, that was in partnership with a local football team Rangers who were just across the river from where our school were and so each Thursday we got to leave school at three o'clock and we went over to Ibrook Stadium uh, and their media team sat us down and they taught us different things about sports journalism like how do you um, ask good questions how do you commentate on a match there was all kinds of different things and then it culminated on the final week where we were to put all of our skills to the test and they said we're going to bring in an ex-player and you're going to get the chance to sit down and interview them now what you need to know is I've been a Rangers fan since I can remember. My uncle used to take me to Rangers games and I've just always known a love for Rangers football club. So this was like 
my dream come true. And so the next week, one of my all-time heroes, Mark Hately, walks in the door. Now, Mark Hately was part of the famous Hately-McCoy's partnership that scored hundreds of goals for my team. So this is like my hero has walked into the room. And so I get a chance to sit down with him, just me and him, we get shots of asking him questions. And so I sit down beside him and I'm asking him things like, you know, classic sports journalist questions like, What's your favorite color, Mark? Have you ever owned a dog, Mark? And I was just, the questions were terrible, but I got to sit there for five minutes and just ask him questions. And he was telling me things about his life that I would have never known. You see, there was a huge difference for me from watching someone from the stands where I kind of hero worship from the stands. And then I had this moment where suddenly I knew things about this man that were totally different that changed the game for me. And I think in this moment, Jesus is doing something similar for his disciples. They've, they've seen him and they've watched him and they've seen him do all these amazing things. But in this moment, he comes so close. He has this intimate moment with them. And why does he do it? Because he wants to teach them intimacy. He wants them to know the whisper of his voice. He wants them to know the touch of his hand. He wants them to know what it's like when he draws close because soon he's not going to be there anymore. There's three points in the next few days and weeks where he's going to be physically removed from them. First, the crowd are going to come and take him away to crucify him. Secondly, he's going to die and be removed from them physically. And thirdly, when he comes back to life again and he's risen from the grave, he's going to leave to go and be back with the Father in heaven. There's these three physical separation moments. So they can't rely on physical closeness anymore to know Jesus. So he's teaching them the whisper of his voice. He's teaching them what it's like when the Saviour draws close. And the same invitation stands for us today. There's an invitation to intimacy, a deliberate appeal to draw near. Not just the bits of us that are presentable, but all of us. What I love is that Jesus is drawing the dirtiest part of their bodies close to him in this demonstration of intimacy. Their feet would have been dirty and cracked and bleeding and horrible from the walks on the rough roads of the Middle East. And yet here he is, that's the part he's choosing to touch. In Hebrews chapter 7 it says this, But because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore he's able to save completely those who come to God through him, because he always lives to intercede for them. In James chapter 4 it says this, submit to yourselves, submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. I think the opposite of intimacy is worth thinking about here. What is the opposite of intimacy? Well it's coldness, it's separation, it's distance. And for some of us, we may be watching today and we're thinking, there's bits of me that I just don't want Jesus to see. There's bits of me that I don't want Jesus to touch. There's bits of me that I want to keep hidden and away. I don't want anyone to know that my thoughts are like that or my actions are like that or that that's the way I am sometimes. And I think in the washing of the feet, Jesus is saying, please bring it to me. Bring the best of yourself and bring the very worst of yourself. Don't keep me at arm's length, but allow me to come close and let's together confront some of that painful, difficult, tricky stuff that would keep you out of relationship and cause you instead to come right into the heart of intimacy with Jesus. His posture towards us is one of intimacy and humility, a gentle invitation to draw close to the King 
and it's only when we're close that we can hear his voice, his transformational voice speaking into our life, words of equipping, words of encouragement, words of um, confidence building. It's only when we're close that we can hear those things. And so will you open yourself up to the invitation of intimacy today? Secondly, there's a stirring to serve. There's a really powerful reflection moment here that reflects sweetly on the passage we heard a few weeks ago where um, Mary broke a jar of expensive perfume and washed Jesus' feet. And, and everyone in the room is in outrage. They're like, I can't believe that she's wasted so much money. But what she was doing in that moment was anointing a king as she washed his feet, uh, as she washed him with this perfume, it was her saying, I'm getting the king ready for his burial. She was recognizing him as king majesty. And then just a couple of passages later, we find Jesus on the floor washing his disciples' feet. The king in one moment and the servant in the next moment. And now washing feet was like, um, it was the lowest of the low. The, the, the Jewish households wouldn't even let their Jewish slaves wash their feet. They would farm that task out to the non-Jewish slaves. Such was the shame and indignity attached to it. And yet here we find Jesus on his feet, on his knees, washing the feet of his disciples, those who follow him. You see, if the disciples were only able to speak good news, the power would not have been on it. It would have been like um, drops of water on a boiling surface that just evaporated and disappeared really quickly. Jesus is teaching them that actually the power comes when you speak the good news and then also do what it says. Words and actions. This moment in time, we find ourselves uh, in a world where the word followers has found a lot of relevance once again. We find loads of people online who have a massive um, collection of followers, but it means something different to what it meant to Jesus. You see, nowadays we associate the word followers with um, a crowd following an individual because of what that individual can get. More followers means uh, more money, it means more influence, it means more adverts, it means more sponsorship. The more people who follow you now, the better off you become. But in that moment, I think we're maybe losing something really precious that Jesus was teaching us. I think about the story that Shane Claiborne tells um, of his journey to go and visit Mother Teresa in Kolkata. And he phoned up and he was like, can I just come and hang out with you? And, and she said, oh, we would love to have you come and hang out. And so he went to spend a few months there just serving alongside Mother Teresa. And... When he was there, he noticed that her feet were really badly misshapen and were always cut and bleeding and a bit bruised. And so one day he said to one of the sisters who was also serving, you know, what's the deal with Mother Teresa's feet? And the sister said, well, we rely fully on the generosity of um, people who support us. And so when a box of shoes gets sent in our direction, what Mother Teresa does is she gives them out to everyone else first. Everyone that she can do, she gives a size that works for them. And whatever pair is left at the end of the box, that's the one she takes. So sometimes she'd be wearing these size 12 gargantuan basketball shoes. Other times she'd be wearing these tiny children's shoes that she was crushing her feet into. And over years, it just destroyed her feet doing that. I feel like that's a beautiful picture of the words of the gospel in action, to love others like you would want to love yourself. I wonder if Mother Teresa, now that she's in glory, cares about what shape her feet were in 
when she can look back on a history and a legacy of thousands of children who were touched by the love of the kingdom because of the actions that she chose to do. I doubt that she does. You see, words are empty if they're not backed up with real love and action. And so Jesus has shown his disciples in this moment something really important. As I have done for you, now you must do for others. And he's been building towards this moment throughout the Gospels. In Matthew chapter 22, he's asked, what is the greatest command? And he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. And then follows up really quickly afterwards. And the next is, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Ultimately, it is in Jesus' very nature to push out darkness. It is in his very nature to bring light and make space for the very lowest and least. And this revelation of him taking the place of the lowest rung of the social chain of um, who would normally be serving them shows us who we can become when we immerse ourselves in him. As we intimately draw close, it gives an opportunity for our own selfishness and our own wants and our own desires and our own ungodly thinking just to be washed away and chipped away at. And in the end, what we want is to be replaced with an unquenchable desire to see others lifted before Jesus. We begin to understand that the power of the gospel is not in fancy words, but instead in actions. And I wonder if a good question to ask ourselves today is who is experiencing Jesus because of the way they're experiencing love from us? A great question for us to ask ourselves is whose feet are we washing? Maybe not literally, but whose life is being drawn closer to Jesus because we are loving them in such an extraordinary way. You see, as followers of Jesus, we've been given an amazing opportunity. The Lord has placed us where we are online today. You might be watching in Fort William or Oban or Italy or somewhere else in the world, but the Lord has placed you there and has placed a group of people around you who he is desperate to know. And what if they are just one loving action away from trying to discover Jesus for the first time. Whose feet are we washing? Who are we going to get on our knees and lower ourselves for so that they can be lifted towards Jesus? Love us to be thinking about that this week and maybe create some space to go and love some people really excellently. Finally, in this passage, uh, as we look at Jesus' words and actions, there's a call to be clean. As we head towards the end of the passage, Jesus has one of my favorite interactions with Peter. I absolutely love Peter. We just see him time and time again, getting himself into these ridiculous situations where like he's, he's a speaker before a thinker is Peter. So often what is going on in his head is out in the open before he has a chance to do anything about it. One of my favorite moments is when he's on the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus and Jesus is uh, communing in this heavenly moment. And, uh, Peter sort of pops his head out from behind the rock and goes, guys, shall I put some tents up for you? Do you need tents? Anyone? Anyone need a tent? (laughs) He just keeps getting himself in these ridiculous situations. And again, we see Peter in one of these moments here where his kind of words are out before he has a chance to think. Uh, In verse six, Jesus gets to Peter and and Peter says, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? 
And Jesus says, you don't realize now what I'm doing, but later you'll understand. And Peter says, you'll never wash my feet. And Jesus says, well, Peter, unless I wash your feet, you've got no part with me. And then Peter's like, well, fine, wash every part of me. Wash my head, wash my hands, wash my everything. And Jesus is like, you don't need every part washed. You have been cleaned already when you gave your life to me. All you need to do is keep your feet clean. Keep your feet clean. And this is like another bit of gold in the disciples' hands because personally in this moment, he's given them a building block for growing healthy people who will then grow a healthy church when he's not there anymore in person. He's explaining there's a need for them to keep healthy, clean, spiritually effective hearts that aren't corrupted or dampened by the dirt of the road. And the symbol of washing the dirt off their feet, he gives them a framework for not flinging themselves upon the flames afresh every time they make a mistake, but equally coming to do something about it when they drop the ball and they know that they're moving away from Jesus. It was necessary for the disciples to learn to be constantly washed by their Saviour so that they could partake in him, so that they could join with him in his glory. Now, in the year 2020, I can tell you accurately and statistically, I washed my hands that year more than any other year of my life. Many of us will also have been in that boat that 2020 was a record-breaking hand-washing year for us. Why? Because COVID started in 2020, didn't it? And we were washing our hands every minute of the day. If you were like me, I would wash my hands and then I would go and do something else. I'd touch a door handle or maybe do something like I'll wash my hands again. We all had our little bottles of sanitizer with our carabiner on it to keep it close to us. We carried everywhere there was sanitizer in the car because we were just new weren't there there was a why did we do that there was a danger out there we were aware that somewhere we couldn't see that but there was germs there that we knew if we touched we could get ill ourselves or even worse we might touch something and bring illness back into our household so that others would have become ill we knew it was necessary to be vigilant and to be clean And in this moment, Jesus is expressing a need to be vigilant and clean. He understands the world that the disciples are going into as one full of temptations and challenges and danger. He knows that in store for them is many difficult moments where they could potentially be lured away from the prize of glory and into something that looked like an easier or better option, but that was actually short of what Jesus had for them. He knows they'll be pushed to their very limits of patience and kindness as they're ignored and shunned, beaten, and eventually for most of them murdered. And so he gives them this beautiful framework for keeping their hearts clean, pure, and completely focused on him. And so what does that mean for us? Well, I think for us, we can take two things from this. The first thing is this, and this is a really important thing to get. Jesus is not expecting perfection with his disciples, he knew that they were going to pick up dirt on the road. He knew that their hearts were going to become a little bit burst and twisted sometimes. And so he's given them this framework because he's saying, guys, I know you're not going to be perfect. I'm not expecting you to be perfect all the time. But when you mess up, here's a way to come back to me. I think that's quite a freeing thing to know that we're not expected to be perfect. Often, um, as a pastor, I'll hear things like, oh, I just, I didn't want to get baptized because I didn't have it all together. Or I didn't want to do that thing because I'm not perfect. Or I don't feel like I can lead because I've not got my life together in the way that I would want to. And I just want to say this morning, like, that is nonsense. Like, we are all on a journey towards Jesus. Nobody is perfect, but we're working as hard as we can to get there. We'll never be perfect, but as we know Jesus more and more, some of those things that we struggled with and that we found difficult as the Holy Spirit works in our hearts find less of an important place. 
But here Jesus is saying, I'm not expecting perfection, but just always come back to me. Secondly, we've got a constant way back to Jesus because he's constantly making his way towards us. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9, it says this, He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything that we've done, but because of his own purpose and grace, the grace that was given to us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. In Ephesians chapter 2, uh, chapter 2, verse 8, it says this, For it is by grace you have been saved by faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is a gift from God, not by works, so that no one can boast. We have to keep a regular check on our hearts, bringing them before Jesus, asking questions, Lord, was I angry today? Would you forgive me for that place where I was angry? Lord, did I look at something or someone that I shouldn't have looked at? Then Lord, please would you forgive me for that moment today? Did I lie to somebody today? Lord, please would you make that right and help me to make that right? We bring it to Jesus and his promise to us is that every time we come to him, he will gently get on his knees and wash away the dirt in our lives. It's a beautiful picture. Maybe you've never given your yes to Jesus and you feel a sense of darkness around you, like you're not quite living the life that you were made for. And you can say yes to Jesus today. You can give your life to him and his promise to you is that he will come close, whisper to you, encourage you, challenge you, cause you to live the life to the full that you were designed for. All you have to do is say yes and allow him to bring new life, grace, hope, and joy to your life. Why don't we pray? Come Holy Spirit. I just pray for every single person who is watching this right now, that they would know the intimacy of you, Jesus. A king, and yet a servant who is willing to wash feet, and get into the dirt and grime and walk the journey in its hardest places. I pray for anyone who's experiencing a moment just now where they just feel like dark and unclean. Would the power of your Holy Spirit land upon them right now and bring freshness, freedom, a clean feeling to those places that feel dark and like they should be kept hidden. Come Holy Spirit. And for anyone this morning who you're like, I just want to give my life to Jesus. I'm convinced that he is the person, the God who is going to set me free. I'm just going to pray a wee prayer just now. And you can just pray this after me. It's just a prayer welcoming Jesus into your life. You say, Jesus, I welcome you into my life. And I'm sorry for the times where I walked far from you and made bad decisions that took me away from you. God, today I give my life to you. Would you fill me with your Holy Spirit and draw me close? Amen.